Having here tonight, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and we're going to begin in the New Testament by starting here in Philippians chapter 2. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel. But uh, we're starting in Philippians chapter 2. And I like to look at a few verses there and then we'll go to the Old Testament. But uh, we'll consider again this thought that we thought about on last week. What does faithfulness look like? Again, we're in our youth series and we're looking at what faithfulness looks like. We looked at last week at Daniel. I'm sorry, not Daniel, but Samuel. And uh, this week we'll look at Daniel and those that accompanied him in the Babylonian captivity. But Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin in verse number 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First God, which worketh in you to do, uh, to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and that I have not run in vain nor labored, in vain. I want to consider this thought here tonight. What does faithfulness look like? And uh, let's go ahead and pray before we get into the message here tonight. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you again for this subject we can uh, consider here tonight. We thank you again for the ability we have to be faithful to you. Again, I ask, Lord, that by your grace and through your power that you would help us to take in the message here tonight. Father, help us to consider a people faithful and uh, help us again by your grace again to get what you'd want to from the word of God here tonight. Bless the time as we meet again. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As we talk about this subject, faithful and faithfulness, you notice in the Bible, the example of faithfulness is a lot of times seen in those who are separated from their family. Um, one of the most faithful Bible characters, Joseph, was separated from his family. We looked at last week, Samuel being separated from his family. And tonight we're going to look at Daniel and his comrades being separated from their family. I mean, you think about, again, separation. Sometimes with separation, you see different things happen. But in the cases of these examples I just mentioned, you see uh, people continue in a faithful and obedient manner when separated. In our text here, it mentions in verse number 12 this idea of being uh, present or absence, and uh, Paul mentions that uh, these individuals in the church need to be faithful whether uh, he's there or not. In verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have already obeyed, not as in my presence only, in other words, when he was there doing ministry with them, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He goes on and says a number of things, but I want you to note what he says to this church. He says in verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so if we're living in a way that's pleasing to God, we're obeying and doing what the God would have us to do, 
Uh, we find again here in this passage of Scripture, Paul's desire and God's desire that we would do well uh, both publicly and privately and consistently in our obedience and walk of faith in salvation. We see in verse number 15, we should shine as lights in the world. We should stick out in this world. We should be able to be recognized in this world. And a person that's faithful will be recognized in this world, not by necessarily the world with accolades and those sorts of things, but they will be recognized nonetheless. You know, when Joash, and we talked about young Joash doing well, when Jehoiada was there, the high priest there, was working hand in hand with him in, uh, in the kingdom and in ministry, and uh, Joash was doing those things which are right and good in the eyes of the Lord, and everything was going well, uh, we find him faithful. But yet we find when Jehoiada passed off the scene there, it seems like almost nearly immediately, without the influence, the godly influence of Jehoiada, he fell trapped to his friend princes who helped him into idolatry. One thing that we need to understand is that we need to remain faithful no matter where or in what circumstances we are put in life. And uh, whether someone's there to influence us or to help us along, we need to stand out as lights in the world, as Paul taught to these here at Philippi. And so we're going to consider, again, a passage that deals with faithfulness. In fact, if we had time, and we don't have time here tonight, we would consider possibly the whole book of Daniel. But let's turn to Daniel chapter 1. If you want a book on the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of men, Again, I'm not not trying to put men on a pedestal, nor am I trying to put them in a position that that, that they cannot be recognized for what they've done. But in in the book of Daniel, you see some people faithful. And uh, you see some individuals mentioned as being faithful. And again, as we think of a key example of young people being faithful, I think of the faithful four in Daniel. The faithful four in Daniel. It could have been a lot more than four, but there was four. And uh, they're mentioned by name here in the book of Daniel. And we're going to just read a little bit about, again, these four faithful men here tonight. and Consider how they were faithful. Well, let's, let's go ahead and pick up in verse number three. I'll skip through the first couple of verses. Just talks a little about, about King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, mentions in verse number three, it says, And the king spake unto as as the master of the eunuchs, and that they should uh, bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, with whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them for three years, that at the end of that they might stand before the king. And among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, unto Hananiah, Shadrach, and unto Mishael, Meshach, and unto Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the 
wine which he, he drank. Therefore he requested the prince and the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince and the eunuchs. And the prince and the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should you see your faces worse likening than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Dan to Melchizedek, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, and I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon on thee and the countenance of the children that eat the, king's, uh, the portion of the king's meat, and see us and deal with thy servants. So he consented to them on this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than the children that eat of the king's meat. I'm gonna, let me go ahead and read two more verses. Thus Melchizedek uh, took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. And as these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now we're looking at a, an example of the Bible of four faithful young people. Four faithful young people who were in a place of captivity, sent to live some 900 miles away from where they were born and where they were raised. Again, as we're thinking geography here, it'd be like living in North Dakota and then being sent or exiled down to maybe somewhere like Missouri or sent over somewhere like over to Idaho or somewhere along that lines and, and then being raised or uh, being told this is where you're going to live. This is where you're going to belong. This is what you're going to be part of. This is the culture you're going to be involved with. This is going to be a new lifestyle. And we find in this uh, passage of scripture that it, it definitely points out to the faithful four. The faithful four. And I just want to say there are, there are many, many others that aren't mentioned by name. There are many, many other children that certainly were involved in being uh, placed in this place of ministry uh, to the king. In fact, it says in verse 3, the king spake unto Aspenas, the master of the eunuchs, that they should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed, of the princes, children whom there's no blemish, they're skillful, they're cunning, and all this kind of stuff, that they'd learn the language of the people. And uh, for, for three years, verse number five said, they'd be nourished up by the king for the purpose that they'd stand before the king, they'd serve the king, and they'd follow the king. And so we see this example of the Bible of four faithful, uh, again, children who were uh, set in captivity, were set in a place far away from where was normal and, and where their parents were. And you'll find this passage of Scripture as you read through the book of Daniel that these four men remained faithful throughout all the time they were in captivity, through all the time they were in this place called Babylon. And again, as we consider them here tonight, I want us to consider, first of all, uh, what made them faithful. Well, what made them faithful is you'll see throughout the Bible and this book in particular that they were faithful to God alone. 
They were faithful to God alone. They were faithful in a far way to one God and to God alone. They didn't change the way they practiced their faith. They didn't change the way they, they lived. They didn't adopt the customs of the land. They didn't drink the, the, the wine that was placed before them. They were four boys who decided to do things different, to be lights in Babylon, to be faithful to the Lord, their Savior. And so we see these young men faithful, and someone would say, how were they faithful? Well, they were faithful in their diet and what they would allow into their bodies. That's the first thing I see here in this passage of, of Scripture. They, they were faithful in what they allowed to, to go into their bodies. And, and someone says, well, well, why did they do what they do? Because they were taught that they were to be faithful to uh, eating and drinking certain things. And and they were asked to drink and to eat things that they weren't supposed to eat or to drink. I mean, it says in verse number eight, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Now, let me just say this. They're, they're in a faraway country. They're in a place of slavery. And in a, in a, in being in a place of slavery, you're not in a place, a position, you just decide what you want to do. In general, you're not in a place where you're going to decide what you're going to do. I mean, if someone was to take you to be a slave and a servant in a faraway land or country, I don't care who it was, but they would normally have the wherewithal to say, hey, you're going to do this or else. And in this case in the Bible, we see these four faithful individuals that decided that even though it was the king's desire for them to drink and to eat certain things, they decide they're not going to do that. And, and so they took a different course there. And uh, the reason they did this is so that they wouldn't defile themselves. Verse number uh, eight, it says that they would not defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. Now, someone says, why defile with the king's meat? Well, I would guess again, and I can't say why uh, the king's meat would be bad, but maybe it was against the laws of the, the Jews. And you could go back and the Jews were under certain food laws and uh, certainly, again, that must have been the case here. I don't think Daniel was trying to do things contrary just to be contrary, but there were food laws. Certain kinds of meats were not to be eaten. Certainly swine wasn't to be eaten by the Jew, right? Pigs? No. Nope. I mean, you could go back and find out what maybe some meats that, again, the, they weren't supposed to be eaten, but there was food that was being served there and and uh, he, said, he said he wasn't going to eat it. And you find out in this passage of Scripture, those other three were also in that position. They, they joined him in this, this uh, you know, basically abstinence effort. We're not going to eat the meat. We're not going to drink the wine. It says in verse 11, Then Daniel, and said Daniel to Melchizedek, the king over the, uh, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And so they were to, they decided they were not going to be uh, people that ate and drank and, and did as, as the people of the land. They weren't going to do what the Babylonians were going to do. They're not going to drink like the Babylonians drink. They weren't going to eat what the Babylonians wanted them to drink. And they found favor with God. The Bible mentions that back in verse number uh, nine there. It's, it says, especially with Daniel there, it says, now 
Now God had brought Daniel in favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. So he was able to talk to the, the captain or commander or, or leader of the eunuchs that was over them and, 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 and talk to them about, hey, we don't want to eat and drink these things. And so he mentions here what he was going to eat and drink, and it mentions there, again, in verse number 12, uh, pulse to eat and, and water to drink. Now, pulse, I would guess most people wouldn't know what pulse is. I wouldn't know what pulse is unless I went to, again, some, some Bible dictionaries along that line. But what is pulse? Again, I'm not saying anybody uh, for surely has exactly what this is, but it's a kind of vegetable. I looked at the Smith Bible Dictionary and it defined as peas or beans or, or things grown in pods. And I, I looked also in the Isby. And uh, again, they talked about pulse being seeds or herbs or vegetables. And again, so I, I believe, again, it's just simply a vegetarian diet. And so they were to eat a meat and wine diet. That's what the king wanted, but they decide we're going to have water and vegetables to eat. And, and the Bible mentions, again, as a result of them taking this and doing this, after 10 days they found out that they were doing better than those who were eating of that defiled diet. Verse 15, it says, And at the end of 10 days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat a portion of the king's meat. The faithful four became the fairer and fatter four. That's your joke for the day. <laughs> they really, they, they, they had a better diet. The diet did better for them in what they ate and partook in because they followed the word of God. These favored four became a faithful four as they decided that they wanted favor with God rather than favor necessarily with the king. They were going to be different in the land. They were going to be distinctly separated in the land. They were going to be faithful in the land. And so we see this faithful for, they were faithful in their diet and what they would allow into their body. Secondly, they were faithful, uh, again, also in not defiling themselves. Again, anybody uh, mentions uh, here that that they would defile themselves. In verse number two, it says, and Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat and that sort of thing. So he wasn't going to be defiled in diet, but I want to mention back in verse number seven, he wasn't going to be defiled in name. You know, when he came in the country, he had a good name. Daniel's name means simply God is my judge. Daniel. And uh, when he came in the country, he got a new name. It says in verse number seven, it says, unto whom the prince of the units gave names uh, to Daniel, gave the name Belshazzar, and Hananiah Shadrach, and to Mishael Meshach, and Azariah Bendigo. And someone says, well, the names, you know, they sound different. They're a little bit different. You know, doesn't matter. I mean, why, why these different names? These names were to change who they were. These names were influence what they would become. And again, you see their names change, but they're 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 their character doesn't change, and they don't go along with the names. They stuck with their faithful names. Daniel's name means God is my judge. His name that he was given means Baal's prince, or Baal's prince, or the treasure of Baal. 
or the protector of Bel. Now, these are all, all these names. And again, I don't know exactly which one's right there. Those are the, the general names that, again, people say their names mean. But Bel's prince or Baal's prince. That's a false god's prince. And that's the name Daniel was given. Did he become Baal's prince? No, not at all. Hananiah was given a good name. Hananiah, there's, his name means uh, the Lord is gracious. But he was given a new name when he got to Babylon. His name was Shadrach. And and we'll talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach means the the inspiration of the sun or the friend of the king or the illuminated by the sun. They worshiped the sun. He never became a worshiper of the sun. Shadrach's name was basically changed to be a sun worshiper, a friend of the sun worshipers. A friend of the king in worship. He never became any of that. Michel, his name means, again, he who comes from God. He was given a name that means he that belongs to the goddess Shishak. So his name was, you're from God, meaning, a given name, no, you belong to Shishak, a false goddess. Never became that. Azariah, his name means God is my helper. And his name was changed to the servant of Nego or the servant of the sun god or the worshiper of the planets. Did Azariah become a worshiper of the planets, a worshiper of the sun gods? No, he didn't become any of that. Four specific boys are renamed here and renamed, I believe, to change them. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know, sometimes you, you'll find in history people's names change. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm certain that some of you know of people's names that were changed. Sometimes they, they were, again, heathen. And sometimes they're given a Christian name. Sometimes they have an odd name. And so they come to America and, and maybe no one can pronounce their name. You probably ran into individuals like that that you can't really pronounce their name well. So they'll say, oh, just call me this. I've had, you know, individuals sometimes that have, like, maybe some of the hardest pronouncing names, and they'll come up with a name like, you know, what, you can just call me, and it might be a short name, just call me Fred, or call me Don, or whatever, just a real short name. They just come up with something nobody can mess up. But these guys kept their name as far as following the footsteps of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible says in verse 9, be not conformed to this world. They weren't becoming conformed to Babylon. They weren't going to be the... The, the, the children that grew up to be uh, young men that became older men, that became uh, wise men in the kingdom, that, that would be, again, in line with the names that they were given. Daniel never became a prince of Baal. You know, a prince of Baal would be one just right down below being a king. And so these boys specifically, although they were influenced in, in a way and they were given names that they probably were supposed to live up to, they never lived up to their names. And so they were faithful to the names that they were given to them before they came 
to Babylon. So they're faithful in diet. They're faithful that they didn't change, even though their names were changed. These four faithful were renamed. But also I want to mention again, as we think about how these men were faithful, they're faithful uh, sticking with their holy and separated behavior. Again, we looked at this a little bit, but I just want to comment a little more on it. But it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. But therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Just want to mention again, he, he and these others had to go out of their way so they couldn't defile themselves. So they wouldn't do what was wrong by God. And so they, they decided, you know, we're not going to eat and drink like the rest of the people do. We're going to eat and drink something different. And you'll find from this passage of Scripture that they ate and drank of this pulse and this water. And that's what they ate and drank and uh, continued in it as long as we can see in the Bible. Someone says, why did they stay away from especially wine? Well, let's look at a few verses on this. I'm going to take a few out of Proverbs and a couple out of Isaiah. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Why did they stay away from especially wine? Because wine is not something that I think Christians should associate with. Neither should they ingest. It's not really good for them. It's not really good for people in general. Just a few verses here from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Wine doesn't sound like it's anybody's friend there. Can you look at Proverbs chapter 31? Proverbs chapter 31. Again, there's more verses in the book of Proverbs that deal with drunkenness and wine and their connection. And there's certainly a lot of verses that deal with uh, wine and drunkenness throughout the Bible. But uh, Proverbs 31, verse number 4 says, that It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any afflicted. And so these individuals are actually going to be a place of leadership, which this is talking about uh, as kings or princes. And it's not a good thing to be in a position as a leader in drinking alcohol or strong drink, as is mentioned here in this passage of Scripture. Someone says, well, is, is strong drink ever right? Well, look at verse 6 and 7. It says, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that are heavy hearts. And so someone says, well, is there a place for, for drink or alcohol? Well, certainly the Bible mentions for those that are ready to perish. And so they used it as an, as, you know, an anesthetic type thing for people that are ready to die. And certainly here in the Bible we see very little reason for someone to drink. It's not for princes. It's not for rulers. It's not for leaders. Turn to Isaiah chapter 5. You say, why is it for leaders? Because... Alcohol is something that's able to affect the mind and changes the mind, changes the mindset. Uh, again, it, it's a, a detractor from reality. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Warn to them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. The harp, the vial, the tamarind, the, the pipe, the wine are in their feast, but they regard not the work of the Lord. Neither consider the operation of God. You see a connection between wine and not considering God. Verse 22, same chapter, 
it says, Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Isaiah 28, let's just look at that, and then we're going to get on to another point here tonight. Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 7. But the, the Bible says, But they have also erred through wine and through strong drink, and are out of the way the priests, the prophets, have erred through strong drink. They have swallowed up wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Someone says, what affected the prophets and priests of Isaiah's day? Drinking. Drinking. They erred through wine. And so again, abstinence and purity are what they desired to follow after in this strange land that they were taking into captivity. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 2. Again, these four young people didn't allow for wine or this, these meats to be a part of their life. And they lived a little different than the rest of the world. And so they, they stuck with holy behavior, being separated to God, being separated from the customs and the realities of the land, the normalities of the land. And certainly, again, I think as Christians, we should be separated from the normalities of our, our land and, and that sort of things if they're not in line with the word of God. But again, as we find in, in chapter two, the second year comes around and I'm not going to read through this uh, chapter, but chapter two, uh, uh, what happens in this chapter is uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and uh, nobody's able to interpret it. And as a result of this, there's a dictate that comes out that they're going to kill all the wise men. And long story short, uh, you see Daniel and those Four others were part of the wise men group there. And uh, notice what happened with them in verse number 17. When they made this decree, uh, uh, Daniel asked for some time to understand the the dream and and interpret it. And in verse number 17, it says this, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and his companions, that they would desire the mercies of God at heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel's fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed to Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now what's something else that made these men faithful in the land? Let me just say they continued praying. They continued praying. Now that's a very simple thing, but they continue praying. You see here them continue praying in a time of distress and when they really need to hear some from God. They, they prayed. They found answers from God. And, and uh, someone said, what did they do in Babylon? They continued to pray. And again, you see this pattern of prayer. And, and uh, Daniel being, again, the, the leader, the head of these guys. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 6, verse number 10. Uh, turn over there with me. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, this is years later under a different king. But uh, Daniel just keeps on praying. And he keeps on praying. And this is his manner of life. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and he went in his house, and his windows were open towards the chamber, towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Prayed. When it was illegal to pray. When it was illegal to pray, you still see Daniel praying and Abednego praying. And these individuals praying. And uh, we see them doing what's right in this strange and faraway land. 
Let's turn back to Daniel chapter 3. I want to look at one last thing here tonight. What made these men faithful? They were faithful in their diet. They were faithful in their names. They were faithful in their holy behavior. They were faithful in not abandoning prayer. And they were faithful finally in their worship. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 10, let's pick up there. Now, we find a decree made in, in Daniel chapter 3 that people are going to pray to, uh, again, uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. They're going to they're worship and bow down to this statue, this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, of course, I think all you know the story. Let's just pick up there in verse number 11. And it says, And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth, he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain the Jews whom has been set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee, nor served thy gods, or worshipped the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was in a rage and a fury, and, and commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they and brought these men before him. And Nebuchadnezzar said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not uh, serve nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down to worship the image which I have made, well, but if you worship not, you should be cast that same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God that shall be able to deliver you out of the, my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer to thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And so I just want to mention this, these young people, these young men, they didn't worship. They didn't worship the gods of the land. They could have worshipped the gods of the land. They could have compromised in their worship. They could have went, uh, so to speak, and just you know, did as everybody else was doing and just bow down before this, this statue. There are other Jews present that were doing this. There's certainly, again, where the Babylonians do this and everybody was doing this. They're bowing down to this great statue and and they were doing this and they were supposed to do this and the government commanded them to do this and yet these young men wouldn't do this and they knew that they could die in verse number 17 if god didn't deliver them and they knew they would live if god would deliver them and god did deliver them and uh, verse number 20, it says he commanded. So these guys, he went and uh, the king did exactly what he was going to do. He got mad and he said, he commanded the most mighty men that were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in coats and their hosen and their hat and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the uh, furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So not only did, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of sad to see there, but the, the, the most mighty men in verse number 20, I have that underlined in my Bible, they were brought to throw these men into the furnace. 
They died delivering these three men to the furnace. And then it says in verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto this counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And he answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, there are four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. What do you see in this passage of Scripture? You see three young men not bowing and not burning. They were told, you bow or you burn. They didn't bow and they didn't burn. They chose to follow God. They chose to be faithful to God. And they did not burn. They did not adopt a new place of worship, nor again bow down to this idol to worship, but they continued to worship God. You know, I think there's some things we can learn from this passage of Scripture. It's about faithful men. Again, the whole, whole book of Daniel is about faithful men and a faithful God. Turn to Daniel chapter 6, and I'll close with this passage here. Daniel chapter 6. Along comes a, a degree to not pray. And only if you're going to pray, you've got to pray to the king. Now, this happened under Darius. And uh, you see that in uh, chapter 6. But uh, you find in, in verse number 4, it says this about Daniel. And I've, I've said this about Daniel. I also said this about those four, uh, three other companions of Daniel, uh, that they were faithful. But uh, we see this, the Bible specifically say this. It says that the presence and princes sought occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find none, occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was any error or fault found in him. And he was faithful. Someone says, well, he's faithful. He's faithful to worship God. He was faithful to pray to God. He was faithful to stay holy. He was faithful not to change. He was faithful to live, try to live up to his, his name. He was, again, someone who's faithful. And uh, you see in verse number 10, again, the decree was made not to pray to anybody else but to the king. And yet in verse 10, it says, And Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He went down to his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. He gave thanks to God as he did aforetime. Just kept doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, faithfulness a lot of times just keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing. He didn't pray to the king. He prayed to God. He continued to pray to God. He did his normal prayers to God three times a day. He continued faithful. Let's turn back, back to Philippians chapter 2. I just want to look at verse number 12 there. Philippians 2.12. I think I told you I was done there in Daniel. But I want to just end with this verse in verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in, your, in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. As far as our life lived for God, we need to live it in a way faithful to God, just as we see these four faithful in the book of Daniel. Let me encourage you to live like unto them. Let's close as we consider the word of God here this evening.